Amen. Pretty good, huh? Let your light shine. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Amen. It's no secret that youth culture has its own vocabulary, right? All right? Especially junior high kids, high school kids, college kids. There's a specific language, you might say, a vernacular, often we call it slang. Certain words mean certain things. And over the years, there has been all sorts of words throughout the generations of youth that have been proposed for something or someone that is good, excellent, or fantastic, right? We go back, back, back. Cool was originally a slang word, right? It's kind of normal now. Nowadays, I hear dope and lit are the thing. I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. Totes lit, fam. Someone said that to me one day. Uh, my Google, Google Translator didn't work. I had to go uh, research it with some young people. When I was a youth guy up in the Bay Area in the 1990s, tight was in, heck of tight, and all that sort of stuff, the bomb also. Each generation has their own words, right? I think I heard off the hook over here. Did Lindsay say that during the announcements? And there's all sorts of words that we use to say if something is excellent, something is good, something is fantastic. Each generation has it. One of the words of my generation when I was a youth was rad. Anybody heard rad before? Yeah? Yeah, some confident rad people out there, right? It's totally rad, dude. Rad, right? Short for what? Radical, right? Whoa, okay. <clears throat> Radical. It was used to describe anything good, excellent, fantastic, and at times something totally new and awesome, right? I was like, dude, that's rad, right? Now, something has been interesting happening in my life. I've actually heard people use the term rad lately. And it made me wonder if rad is coming back. And so I was asking around if Rad is back, and someone said, dude, Rad never left, all right? Uh, someone in our church sent me a picture of their license plate, all right? Rad Ride. You might see that out in the congregation uh, parking lot over there, okay? Uh, someone on our worship team said, Pastor Mike, Rad never goes out of style. It's impossible because Rad is inherently Rad, duh, all right? I got to admit, back in the day, I used that term rad quite a bit. It was rad. I had totally rad vans. I rocked a totally rad Maui and Sons t-shirts and other rad stuff. I thought I was rad. And I have to admit, David Bowie is pretty rad, who Bowie was named after, right? All right? All right. Rad. With that said, however, I'm pretty sure for the most part, rad is primarily used by old school folks like myself, I got to admit, because, uh, amen. <laughs> Marco. All right. I did get the final word from our youth department. Emma Jerswold was representing the youth department, and she said, yeah, Rad is not back yet. Yet. She said, yet, though. All right. I have it in a text, okay? So that gave me optimism that maybe we're going to be bringing Rad back a little bit, and maybe it starts today right here in Orange, California. Because you see, a classmate of mine from grad school, he, was, uh, he is now a professor at our seminary in St. Louis, and I was reading something that he wrote about Jesus. And in it, he said that Jesus was rad. He said Jesus is rad. I mean, who thinks Jesus is rad? Right. I think he's rad. He's the raddest of all and a righteous dude. Thank you, Ferris Bueller. It was after, though, reading our text for today from Matthew chapter 2 that my friend, who is now a professor, said that Jesus is rad. And Matthew chapter 2 is our epiphany text. And every year, Matthew chapter 2, we look at it on epiphany. Now, some of you are going, what is epiphany? Good question. 
We use the word epiphany when we talk about having a moment of sort of insight or revelation, right? I just had an epiphany. I just realized something. A light bulb goes off in our heads and we see something new and and clear. Epiphany in the church is sort of like that. A light bulb goes off in our collective minds and we have an insight. We have a revelation. It's made to all of humanity. It's made known to all. And as we read from Isaiah a moment ago, Marco read it at the beginning of the service. It said, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That's an epiphany. That's an insight. That's a revelation. That's a manifestation that Jesus has come into the world as God and as man. And today on Epiphany, the day itself, our insight is that the revelation is that, the epiphany is that the light of Christ is for everyone. And the Magi are being drawn by that light, by the star, to Jesus to check it out. Now, the Magi have been called different things, right? They've been called wise men. They've been called kings. As we said earlier, in Spanish, it's Los Reyes. That's why it's called Dia de los Reyes, King's Day. Lana and Lila, Reyes, baptized on King's Day. It's awesome, all right? In fact, my family, we had a Rosca de Reyes to celebrate it. Anybody else do that out here at all? Right. All right, it's a, it's a Hispanic tradition, um, and I learned about it back in 2000 in the Hispanic ministry I was involved in. These things are good. Go out and buy one today, okay? It's a, it's a king's cake. It's a cool tradition to celebrate Epiphany, to celebrate King's Day. Uh, and there's a little baby Jesus hidden in the cake, and it's kind of cool. And you kind of cut through the cake, and whoever gets the baby Jesus, it's kind of symbolizing Mary and Joseph. They took Jesus and fled Bethlehem. They went down to Egypt. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But if you cut open the cake and you get the little baby Jesus, you get to throw a tamale party to explain it, all right? It's pretty cool. Check it out. Go buy one today. Celebrate Epiphany that way. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk about Epiphany. We're going to look at about Dia de los Reyes, King's Day in Matthew chapter 2 today. And I want, as we read through it, to see why my friend called Jesus rad when he was reading through this text. All right? So Matthew chapter 2, it's in your handout. Uh, it should be up on the screens as well. It says this, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. So the star guided him, the star of Jesus, the miracle from God, God directing the Magi. And when we look at this text there, we get to see that the Magi, we're going to talk about them a little more in a second, but we know for sure that they're Gentiles that they're not Jewish, because the Jews would never ask Herod, king of the Jews, a question like that, because it would have challenged his authority and his dynasty. He was already a nervous and narcissistic king. That's why in verse 3 it says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. Verse 6 says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now the Magi had come. They followed the star to Israel. They thought for sure, well, they saw Jerusalem, that big city up on the hill. And they said, they're going to go there and they're going to find the king there. But the word of God guided them to the podunk little town of Bethlehem. In many ways, you've got to love the truth that's behind that. 
Verse 7 says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. The Magi naively bought into Herod's scheme and to his lie because we learn later in the book of Matthew that Herod wanted to find that child and get rid of him. In fact, if you keep reading Matthew chapter 2, you see Joseph and Mary, they flee to Egypt with Jesus because they were warned about what Herod was about to do. Herod was about to savagely order the genocide of every boy two years and younger in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas. I mean, terrible leader. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, that's Herod, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The miraculous star that guided them to the exact house where Jesus was, verse 11, it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. This is, this is powerful right here. They bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They worshiped. They brought gifts fit for a king. And then in verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi would have reported Jesus' location if God had not intervened and warned them in a dream. Now, we look at that story. We hear it almost every year. So I'm asking myself, why did my friend call Jesus rad here when he read this text? Well, it has to do with the Magi. Because you see, the Magi, even though we call them wise men and we call them kings, that is not the way that the Jewish believers, the Jewish people at the time of Jesus would have viewed them. There's no way they would have called these guys wise. You see, the Jewish people would have viewed these magi suspiciously as sorcerers or astrologers or practitioners of the dark arts. In fact, uh, a Jewish philosopher of the time named Philo, he called the magi experts at nonsense. He said that they were fools. He said, yeah, they may be learned in a few things, but there's no way that they are wise. The Jewish people despised these sort of wise men, these sort of magi. And when it comes to them being kings, we know for sure that they were not actually kings. They may have represented kings, but they were not royalty themselves. The Jewish people would have looked down on these folks and excluded them. And that, my friends, that is why Jesus, that's why my friend called him rad. He's so totally rad. Now, I got to admit, my friend, the professor at the seminary, he didn't use the word rad. He used the word radical, but I heard rad, Okay. He, radical, right? But I shorten it down to rad. And radical, it means something more than just excellent and cool and fantastic. It means very different from the usual or the traditional. Radical means an extreme change in existing views and habits and conditions and institutions. Jesus was radical. I mean, talk about extreme change. Jesus, the Messiah, was including these magi in his kingdom. He miraculously directed them through the star to come to him thousands of miles to be part of God's family, to be part of his kingdom. And the Jewish people despised and excluded these sorts of people. 
but Jesus didn't. The inclusive nature of Jesus in Matthew chapter 2 is completely and truly and utterly radical for that time period. That's why Jesus is rad. We see the Magi, they're not actually wise because of their knowledge or their lineage. They are wise because they followed the guiding star. And that's something that we can learn from to them today. Wisdom has nothing to do with how much you know or what sort of lineage or what sort of pedigree or what sort of family, what sort of place you belong to, what sort of culture or race you have. Wisdom has everything to do with following Jesus' lead. And we see that though they weren't actually kings, they became royalty in Jesus' kingdom. And they fulfilled the prophecy ascribed to kings and they worshiped the king of kings, Jesus. Isaiah 60 verse 3, we read it. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Jesus' inclusion of these magi in his family, in his kingdom, in his very first works on earth was radical. He came for all nations. He came for all people. It's radically inclusive. In fact, everything Jesus did was radically inclusive. He came as a baby. We're holding little baby Bowie up here. He came as a baby aligning himself with children. How can we not see that today in the baptisms? Bowie, Jesus is a baby. And Lila, at her age, that's the age that Jesus went down to Egypt and he most likely returned back from Egypt at Lana's age. And in a culture where children were looked down upon, Jesus makes his appearance as a child. That is radically inclusive, my friends. He was born in Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. He came for all people, not just the big city folk. That's radically inclusive, my friends. His mom is Mary, a poor, humble teenager. He came for all people, not just queens up in palaces. That's radically inclusive. His earthly father, Joseph, a humble man, a devout man, a carpenter, not a power-hungry, quote-unquote, successful king like Herod. Jesus came for all people not just the aristocratic elite. That's radically inclusive. Jesus was a child refugee in Egypt. He fled a corrupt government with his parents. He identifies with the oppressed and the wounded who have endured horrific trauma. That, my friends, is radically inclusive. His birth was announced to the shepherds, a riotous bunch. They're not known for diplomacy or religious leadership. It's radically inclusive. And we could go on and on and on. The Samaritan woman at the well, the lepers, the tax collectors, the sinners, the fishermen, even the elite who would humble themselves like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, radically inclusive. And I would argue today that Jesus even came for evil King Herod. If Herod wanted to, Herod could have been a real king in a real kingdom if he would have just followed the star like the wise kingly magi to Bethlehem. Jesus, my friends, was truly radical. He was rad, totally rad. And there's two things that we can take away, I think. We have a whole bunch of things we can take. The two things I think we should focus on this morning. First is that all of us in this room today are part of his kingdom, part of his family because of him. Because of his radical, inclusive love that showed, showed to us on the cross. 
And that love, that inclusive love, that radical love is poured out on us in baptism, lavished us on in the word, nourishes us in the Lord's Supper, unites us in the community we have with each other. We are just like the Magi. We were once on the outside, despised and excluded, but he came for us. He was born for us. He guided us by his radically inclusive mercy and grace and light. It's why we're here in the room today. We're in the room today because of that. I mean, it is, it's pretty radical that we are here worshiping Jesus in this room today, 2,000 years later, thousands of miles away in a culture and a language that didn't even exist 2,000 years ago. That radically inclusive love and mercy and mission of God. So first thing we realize we're part of that. We're recipients of that. But that radically inclusive mission is also challenging us today. How are our lives lining up with the rad Jesus? Are we beginning to act like the religious elite of Jesus' day who are known more for exclusion than for inclusion? Because we, sometimes we begin to forget that we're magi too. And we start to exclude people from the guiding star light of Jesus. We start to think that some people aren't worthy of worshiping Jesus. We think that some people aren't worthy of bringing gifts to him. So maybe we can pause a little bit this morning. Maybe we can think about that this week. Who do you as a person? Who do you as a family? Who do we as a church need to demonstrate some radical inclusivity to? Is it someone with a different political belief? Is it someone with a different culture, a different perspective, a different experience, a different worldview, a different socioeconomic status, a different language, someone a world away, or someone that lives down the street? Is it the lonely, the lowly, the despised, and the rejected at your work, at your school, in your sphere of influence? Perhaps God is calling us to invite them to the light of Jesus. And you know what? You never know. We just might learn a thing or two about how to worship Jesus and how to bring gifts to him from them. Now, the word rad, I concede, is probably not back yet. But Jesus is always here, past, present, and future. He never goes out of style. He's rad. He's totally rad. Amen? Amen? He's including you on his radical, inclusive mission, and his love is for you. All right?